This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Another one. Be the best. I'm out. I, you know, with Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. Well, this is the morning after, and uh, Washington 37, Oregon 34, and the first thing I will do to you guys is apologize, uh, because during the course of the week, as we were texting back and and forth uh, periodically, Monday through Friday there, um, you guys were talking about all these reasons of Washington to win, and uh, and I went, I finally went. Oh, for Christ's sake! When uh, when Willie Duke said that that the Huskies had gone uh, dark on social media and hadn't been posting, and they're gonna they got their war faces on or whatever, and I went, oh, for God's sake! And uh, <laughs> and uh, and I pleaded with you guys not to take out bank loans to bet on the game, and. Uh, and I thought Joey was nuts going down to the uh, to Eugene, and lo and behold, I couldn't be more wrong, and it was a win for the uh, ages. Joey, you're in the car right now on the way back, and if you just want to just take a couple minutes and summarize uh, your thoughts. You were there. Well, the the atmosphere uh, the atmosphere there it's it's a little uh, I don't know I don't want to use the term overrated. It's it's loud, um, but I've, I've been in loud stadiums. It just sounds like a loud stadium. Um, I, I, I actually kind of like the uh, – I actually kind of like Austin's layout a, a little bit. Um, they they have a lot more fan engagement, fan interaction. It, it does make you a little, little jealous and, uh, you know, just sorry that – um, our program doesn't care about our fans as much as they do. But, uh, yeah, just waking up, I, I mean, just, I was not texting you guys for a lot during the whole weekend. I, I, had, a, I had just a weird, good feeling even driving down here. And then just waking up yesterday, um, my wife and I went for a hike up, uh, up on the Spencer's Butte, and as we were walking up, I just had like this just good, just this good vibe about the whole the whole day, and it was it was funny leading up to the game. I mean, I we took no trash talk. It was the it was just the weirdest, you know the the people were that's like ninety five percent were like classy, nice, just if it was any sort of 
trash talking. It was it was like, you know, just the normal good natured. Uh, yeah, good nature, you know, oh, I can't trust you, Husky fan, or, you know, and it was fun and interactive. Um, and even even we went into the, uh, uh, went into this warehouse, uh, I don't know, wherever they, whatever their zone, version of the zone is called, we, you know, we were hanging out in there, and, uh, I mean, nothing, heard nothing. I mean, I was standing in the line for the bathroom, like, twice, and I would just, you know, I'd be surrounded by duck fans, and I just look at them. I go, "You guys are making me feel uncomfortable," and 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 they're like looking at me all weird. And I'm like, "You guys should be wanting to like talk a bunch of crap to me, right?" You know, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, no, 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 you're, uh, you're, you're gonna take it here in a couple hours." And I'm just sitting in my head like, "I don't think any any of you are taking this this team seriously. I I don't think." I don't think you understand how shitty your defense is. You know, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, uh, and then, you know, and then to show up to the game and have it, I mean, that was the greatest game I've ever attended. I mean, granted, it, it the needle moves to 11 because of the win, but, I mean, just to have that back and forth and then to put it down their throat in their own stadium, um, just an epic, epic feeling. So, but but preceding that, we had the interception on their one, where it felt like that was the end of the world, right there. Yeah, yeah. And then I, we come back. I mean, still, it, it was gut wrenching. I I had these 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 guys on the the same aisle, um, you know, section nine uh, duck fans, whoever you are. I'm um, up to G-rated because my son's in the back seat, but you guys can suck <laughs> on that one. Uh, he, you know, they're they're chanting, you know, like they're like they're like, oh, your your school, Ted Bundy, you know, Ted Bundy was a husky and all this stuff. Well, Bundy for the win, bitches. Um, yeah, and then and then the guy the guy's doing a uh, the guy's doing a. Uh, uh, try to think of a code word here. Uh, doing a fellatio uh, motion with his with his hands, you know, in front of my daughter. <laughs> you're so you're so subtle, Joey. <laughs> you sly well, silver tongue bastard. You. Uh, he's he's a, he, he's a he doesn't know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he's probably googling uh, it right now on his phone, right? <laughs> hey, in bud, front of your daughter though yesterday? that's who, awful but who won yesterday who won yesterday yeah who lost that damn right they did <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to, to step back and, and uh Wooly, i'll ask you this your thoughts um Oregon was just obsessed with trying to run, and they did successfully run the football, but especially in the second half or uh, in the second quarter. But I was just really stunned they weren't trying to burn our our defensive backs, and they, and they were so they were so emphasizing the run. And did that shock you as the game transpired? Uh, I don't. I think at first it did, but I think early on the first half they really had Nick off. And they were forcing him 
I think Trice and Martin were having really good games. Even if they weren't getting sacked, they were keep forcing him in the pocket and making him throw, and he, he's not good at that. Uh, so I think they had to adjust. And mm. I don't think they were going to be – I don't think they were going to be able to – I mean, Nick also got really lucky. There was like a long pass early to Franklin that uh, I think it was JV on great. If he just turned around, he had an easy pick. Uh, I think they were a little – I think they were a little scared about <laughs> – Nick's, uh, the bad Bo Nick coming out. It was, it was waiting to happen if they were going to try to, like, I think if they were going to try to, you know, throw the ball up and down the field. And I think they were, they're also doing so well running the ball. Uh, I mean, the great Bucky Irving, uh, you know, they just could not tackle, could not tackle him and their offensive line was doing, you know, pretty well. Not nearly as, I think, uh, I know it, I don't know if it's just Husky fans that love to complain about broadcasters, but the broadcast, you know, only mentioned about 25 times that Oregon liked to, you know, uh, be physical with their offensive line. Uh, but I, I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't go for more big plays. But I, I really thought the coaching staff did a good job in the first half uh, of yes, scheming against very much. scheming against Nick. It was they did in the end. I think did a really good job of. Uh, containing him as much as they could, and he didn't. He didn't react well. Uh, I mean, the tackling—they just would have tackled. No. And I'm not going to say if it's like Zach Charbonnet, uh, and you can't tackle him. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put that on the defense. That's a really good back. But the, the fact that they could not tackle him whatsoever—that's on. That's on Washington. And if they just would have been able to tackle him, I mean, they would have really. Oregon really did not have much. No, but they were able to run for 312 yards, Oregon was, and they had two running backs over 100 um, and uh, over six yards a carry. No, they so, did well. But, uh, yeah. but, you know, and you mentioned the tackling, and our tackling was atrocious, but I'm not even going to focus on that myself anyways, um, just given, you know, the, the how incredible the game was. Um, and, and And I feel like... We we were all sitting here talking six six weeks ago, five weeks ago, four weeks ago, and saying we needed to see just the team and the defense in particular get better one or two percent a week. Just we're you know we don't have much talent, but let's try to get better. And our front four, even though we had trouble stopping the run and everything, but it, it felt like the, the the front four it was more of a product of our linebackers failing than our front four. I thought they really did well. And you mentioned uh, Trice. I thought he played a, a really good uh, ball game, um, as, be- as best as you could hope for. You know, I was fully expecting Oregon to score 45, 50 points, you know. Yeah. And if they had opened it up, I, I think they could have. But Well, I think they also, I mean, yeah. that long drive uh, after the Penix interception, I think really changed the game. I mean, that that was a weird thing where you're almost like, uh, you're almost like if the Huskies score there, touchdown there, do they lose? Was <laughs> it almost in the end? Was it like because the way it made the game play out, it took because uh, I don't I think if he doesn't throw that interception and they score a touchdown, I think Oregon just gets the ball back and they score in like four plays and then it just keeps going back and forth that way. But the way that made the game play out by Oregon running the rest of the clock out, but then having to settle for a field goal, I think. That won them the game. Weirdly, that like won them the game, and then both teams had like a goal line 
had like a goal line fuck up for no reason really that was uh, unnecessary so it kind of ended up being a wash uh but yeah weirdly i almost think that the way that forced oregon i didn't force oregon but got oregon to get conservative and just milk a clock and then a really dumb play call that third down on that they hurt nick hurt or didn't hurt nick i'm confused uh it was so obvious that that was what they were going to do. Are they were going to pass? And at that point, you're like, great. Uh, Nick will probably throw a fucking interception here. He wasn't, he wasn't throwing the ball well at all in tight windows uh, like they were going to set up. So I'm, I'm glad Dillingham went no back and then tried to run it with Nick. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll pro- I'm sure we'll get down into the weirdness of all the injuries and stuff like that. But uh, I, I can live with the bad tackling as long as you get the win. But then, like, you know, Ty Thompson had one carry for minus four yards, and it was the most bizarre play of the game. Nick is out, Thompson's in, Oregon's on their own 30 or 32-yard line, and they they uh, they go for it. Oh, no, excuse me, that was a running back that slid and fell. That wasn't a Ty Thompson play, excuse me. Um, no, it was, but, it was uh, blown up, too. He, he wasn't going to get that. I don't think he was going to get that first anywhere near that first down. I think that's why he flipped also. Well, yeah, that's possible, of, but don't don't forget our tackling prowess. But <laughs> could have hey, been uh, a 38-yard uh, gate, too. But. Uh, a couple, yeah, yeah, a couple things to uh, add on there. Like, the uh, yeah, the tackling was so poor. I, You know, I felt like the, the defense had a – the defense had a decent game plan, um, you know, to stop them. But, yeah, the tackling was just so awful. Um, you know, given give Bucky Irving this weird confidence, and then, you know, next week he's going to get, you know, gutter bombed by Utah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, shout out to uh, Ty Thompson, greatest quarterback recruit ever. Sitting the bench, riding the pine, and sucking. And then, hey, uh, uh, just another thing. Um, every game I've watched of Oregon, you big, tough, fake, tough guy losers. How many? How many guys have been have been limped off and carried off the field for that team, only to come back like either later on in the game or the next game, like? You'd think you'd think Bo Nix had a. I thought he had a broken leg. The way he he kind of like he got up really fast and then he couldn't put weight on it and then he crumbled, and uh, and then they they help him limp off the field and you know he goes into this tent or whatever and and uh, and then I don't even, and I I don't even remember seeing him come out for a while after it you know and Ty Thompson's warming up and I'm like Nix is out he's done, you know he's not even not even trying to warm up or loosen up or anything. And, um, you know, maybe coach, coach Chilmer from varsity blues was underneath that tent, you know, <laughs> giving him the damn shot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as much as, I don't know, as much as I pile on, you know, Nick had, uh, well, I, I mean, another classic, you know, great epic quarterback performance against the Huskies, which I thought wasn't a rivalry, you know, um, I thought they didn't take us seriously, dirtbags. You know, they've got us scattered. You know, the, our our uh, fan section is uh, just puny, but there's Husky fans scattered all over the place. I mean, you could see purple, like, you know, purple clusters. 
you know, all over. It's, it's like they sold our fan section. So that's another thing. You can suck it with your 58,000 fans, jerk offs. <laughs> Well, this, this is feeling show. like it's sorry, cathartic. Sorry, sorry, man, don't, don't repeat those words, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I remember my first. Uh, somebody was making fun of me for for uh, from last week's podcast as I went back into memory lane for twenty minutes or whatever. But I will say this: I remember uh, my first trip to Otson was when I was twelve. And that would have been 1983, and uh, Oregon has started the uh, the season two and zero in conference, and they had a big sellout as they always did for the Huskies, you know. And the Huskies went in there, and we were sitting in the end zone. But um, I remember them saying there was eight to nine thousand Husky fans. It was just this big sea of purple in the end zone, and um, and then the Huskies won 32 to three. And I remember Steve Pleur had a 61-yard touchdown scramble down the left sideline, and then the place just emptied out, and it was just basically a few thousand Duck fans and then the big sea of purple of Huskies. Um, and then, so to hear – I haven't been there now in well over 10 years, but um, but to hear you say that they're just scattered about and there wasn't a big section of them, so it just kind of shows how times have changed, but – Yeah, I, uh, they were really selling the crowd noise during the broadcast, and I was just getting yes. irate because the Huskies were audibly. And I'm like, when you watch it, I'm like, it can't be that <laughs> fucking loud if they're literally audibly in, like, every play. And then they put the decimal meter thing, and it was, like, an 85, and then it, like, stopped, and it cut away really fast because I'm sure they were, like, in a show, like, oh, it's loud, but it's not, like, what they're playing it up to be. And... I don't know, the injury thing, of the many wrinkles of that game, the, well, one, uh, they knocked, I mean, they knocked out a lot of Oregon players. Like, that was a great sign, uh, I think, of how, you know, how much they were bringing it. I think, other than Perriman getting hurt, which is almost maybe a positive, I, they had, what, like, five, six, seven Oregon players who went out uh, with, you know, contact injuries. Uh, I think from just from getting, like, physical play. So that was a great sign. Uh, but then, yeah, the weirdness of them, of they had it like, well, uh, like Nick, like I thought he was trying to, I thought he was trying to fake it to get like, cause I thought it might've been like a helmet to helmet. I thought he was faking it to try to get like attention to review it for time. Oh, no. But then, then it looked like he was really hurt, but then he was back like three plays later. And I think he did look gimpy when he's playing. He probably, uh, he probably probably is actually hurt and is going to fuck him up for the rest of the season by trying to desperately beat Washington, which I've also heard in the broad, you know, he's the world's greatest competitor who ran away from his fucking hometown team to go play on the West Coast to try to, you know, uh, compete over there. But he's the best, the biggest competitor ever, but he couldn't, you know, it'd be like if I was good enough to play for Washington and then I was fucking average, so I went to fucking Auburn uh, to try to make it easier on me. So... Yeah, the injuries were fucking weird. I mean, I, I go down the we had the fake, the fake receiver injury is going to get all the attention. But uh, Alex Forsythe, uh, Brock, Brock Heward, uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Brock is still married for how much he had the fucking heart on for some fucking jag center who's like twenty four. <laughs> uh, 
he got beat up and he fucking sat there, fucking sat there for like eight minutes on the field with a stinger or whatever the fuck he had. He gave them like three, three timeouts when they really needed it. Uh, like that and was DeBoer, that was DeBoer, and I'm sorry to jump in, but DeBoer, uh, at least from what you can see from body language, while he was talking with the uh, ref, he was obviously upset about it, but he wasn't going ballistic. But I, I think I would have been going nuts. Yeah, get off the fucking field. You fucking bullshit. You can't sit there uh, for eight minutes uh, messing with your wrist. I'm sure he, I didn't pay attention. He probably went back in last two plays later, I'm sure. Uh, well, no, they the were they stretching his hamstring and making a big production out of it. That, that was the receiver. Yeah. There was a few plays earlier. That's center. the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about when oh, they were trying yeah. to get the free timeout. When oh, that was, the, most, oh. Uh, that was one of the most ridiculous plays I've ever seen with the stretch in the top. If you watch the replay, you literally watch him dive backwards once he gets up. Uh, yeah, that was absolutely ridiculous. That one was we, all-timer. We had uh, – we we had some that was posh right defense. there that had his fingerprints. <laughs> oh oh yeah yeah he took the uh, the fake uh, you know the fake uh, fake trigger with the you know with his finger you know and just pointed at the guy and you know and the guy yep. went down that that was the one with one second left right yeah we that even was had, uh, yeah we even had, and they had no timeouts but but was there a dead ball like how was there not a runoff there. I, like we even well, had, that's what we I even had, uh, we had some decent duck fans behind us that were pretty, you know, pretty cool and reasonable. Um, <laughs> and even they, like, even they, well, even they couldn't even like rationalize it. They were like, they're like, hey, you know, it's, you know, it's all right. He's hurt, and we're like, give me a break. He's literally walking off the field, and and they like look at him, and he just crumbles, like. You know they don't have any any time to do this. Like they they got free time and free time all over, and then they were trying to complain about the, uh, you know the illegal touching, you know. And yeah, shout out to the pack. Shout out to the Pac-12 refs for finally calling a legit penalty on on Oregon, so they can't catch a break. You know the. Uh, oh yeah, uh, shout out to shout out to hey, we're getting our gas pumped right now, so. Uh, <laughs> up our gas. Didn't have to get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> you can make history yeah, on the podcast uh, right here. I yeah, I had my uh, I had my, um, make the Husky Spray again hat on yesterday. I still I got it on today. <laughs> I'm I'm sporting it proudly. Um, yeah, it's 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 a good day to revel. So as you were sitting no there in voice. the stands, <laughs> Joey, when you were in the stands there, did you see any scuffles breaking out anywhere near you? Because I guess Hay was there at the game. Uh, no. Um, I'm, I'm joking about the scuffle. We Hay went to the game. We had uh, we had 30, 35-yard line seats, section, section hmm. 9, uh, if anybody's familiar with, you know, Watson. Um, yeah, we we didn't see any like it. I I did. Uh, well, I I told you there was some, you know, kind of obscene gestures made towards me from guys, you know, to the side. I was but, make, uh, and that was all. I was just that make, was all because every time we, every time we scored a touchdown, you know, I would stand up 
and just make a big, you know, touchdown Jesus, you know, with my hands, you know. So, um, yeah, it, uh, I didn't see any real, like, real fights. I saw a guy uh, basically. I was kidding. Pulled, it was uh, just, uh, Hay was at the game. That's all. <laughs> it was the joke. It was a joke that fell flat. But. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I was uh, thinking about, like, reaching out to some of the, you know, some of the guys I knew were, um, you know, at the game, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Do, Doogie, Do, Doogie, Doogie McPherson or, or, uh, <sighs> Doogie uh, McDougerson, dogs, uh, brother-in-law. Uh, yeah, Doogie McDougerson. Um, yeah, but there's like literally no service. Like none of us had service as soon as you took you know the footbridges over the, uh, you know over the oh, water. Really? Like you literally like lost all all service on your phone, and you know none of us had service. So um, yeah, I couldn't like reach out to Hay or Doogie McDougerson or you know anybody else who I. You know, figured it'd be Doogie McPherson. Or, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, or, or 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 DTD to see if he, you know, he actually put his money where his mouth is and wanted to go, wanted to go at it. <laughs> Shout out to him. Where, hey, where's your, where's your fake plays with Connerly, DTD? <laughs> was it was it Forsyth's birthday and he tapped out in the fourth quarter? <laughs> he didn't get it. He didn't get some 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 jabroni pass thrown to him. Well, I, you know, I've kind of had similar like thoughts on the board too of like when Chip would do the Chip years and they kind of do out, out of the box stuff. It seemed kind of like a confidence thing of like going for it on fourth down when most teams wouldn't and onside kick type shit like that. It always kind of felt like they did that because they knew they were going to win, but. I feel like with landing, it's more like they know they can't win straight up, and it thankfully fucking showed. <laughs> Unlike fucking UCLA, uh, the Huskies, you know, were able to to make them pay for it uh, because yeah, it looked fucking desperate to me when they're like going for fourth downs that they don't need to go for or, or that onside kick. So thank God they didn't let that shit work, uh, and hopefully it's like a momentum. I feel like that program is a lot about momentum and, you know, hopefully some of the fucking magic juju that finally didn't work for them uh, will kind of make them doubt uh, themselves. But I mean, going back to the, going back to the fake injury thing, I mean, they desperately did not want to lose that game. Uh, I mean, that, I think that's going to sting really, really, really bad. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's just to encapsulate it. I mean, that was, I was telling, you know, my family who we were watching the game with, I mean, DeBoer, when he was walking off that field, probably had to be the happiest person in the entire world at that very moment. I mean, that was, with what he knew was riding going into that game, where Oregon was, uh, all the shit that happened during the game, all the doubt, you know, that even our own fan base had, you know, uh, publicly, and it was, you know, the Vegas line, to be able to pull up that win down there in a straight-up game where, Pretty much all the Duck people I've seen online are, they're even kind of just like, you know, the better team won, the better, they played better, and they won in Eugene. So that's just fucking huge. Don't go give them a huge extension yet, but it was, you know, I, we, we could probably talk about comparable wins, you know, for the history of the program. I can't even really think of one uh, that would like that. 
Well, how often do we beat a top ten team on the road? That's a rare, <laughs> rare commodity. Uh, I mean, yeah, you'd have to be interesting to go through and look in the last time they beat, yeah, you know, a top ten team on the road. I mean, never, never beating Oregon, never winning. I think it was before we were recording, but I mean, they had played going back to when the whole rivalry really started. I mean. Well, it's like six or seven close games with Oregon, and Oregon had won every single fucking one of them. So I think that's a big, uh, a big thing too to get some belief that you know it's not always going to go their way in the end. Well, Which I didn't believe. Uh, well, I didn't believe till there were zero seconds left on the clock, just because like that's the way it always goes. But Peyton fucking Henry, <laughs> yes, Peyton Henry, yes, forty-three yards, too, not a short field goal. Oh, no, no. And at an no, angle, too. No, clutch, yeah. clutch, clutch. <laughs> great. So there's, just great. Other, other than the obvious tip of the hat to Michael Penix, there were two people that I really wanted to single out, and you guys just singled out one of them with Peyton Henry, and the other one, of course, being Jalen McMillan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, and stealing away that interception from the guy on the post route and having eight catches for 122 yards, not dropping anything that I can recall. Um, no, big just, time. Just great. Yeah. I think uh, he put something on Twitter after the game about, you know, it's being they did that for Seattle and, you know, how intense he was after that catch. I mean, I could probably Google it and figure it out. I don't know why his grandpa was a diehard Husky fan, but it's actually a pretty good story that, you know, his grandpa uh, was a hardcore Husky fan. Uh, there's a plug right there. I don't know if he was a member, but he was a huge Husky fan, and that's why he went to Washington. He died right before the season started. So I don't think that fucking guy oh, wanted wow. to lose. He didn't want to fucking lose to Oregon, especially a fucking Oregon team they're better than uh, again, uh, which – you know, I kind of do want to go into a little bit of, you know, the Joey is probably even more about it than me of, like, the Oregon mystique and just thinking that they're so good. Because I was thinking about last year, and I was like, yeah, it just feels so hopeless. And I looked at the score, and I was like, oh, they lost by 10 last year. I mean, there was, like, I'm like, oh. And then as soon as the game starts, you're like, I think the players got that same feeling of, like, oh, they lined up against Oregon this year, and they're like, this team's not better than us. Uh, I mean, last year with everything going on and Jimmy fucking Lake uh, and Dylan Morris and shit like that, they lost by 10 points against the top 10 Oregon team. Uh, so I think they probably knew once the game started that, like, yeah, we can not only play with this team, we could uh, we could beat this team. If they didn't, if they would have been able to convert those field goals into touchdowns early, I mean, they could have got a double-digit win. Uh, you know, because I think the two turnovers for both teams were kind of we're kind of a watch anyway. Well, and then last year we had that thing where I I I, I can think a few times where I've been angrier at, at Husky football than when we're <laughs> we're down by eight with four minutes to go and we're punting. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, hey, last year if if Jimmy Lake hires uh, hires Cedar Woolley's offensive coordinator, they they could score. <laughs> Uh, you know, they can score average. Um, Are you? Is this a lobby? <laughs> if we lose, Grub, is that what you're pushing for? <laughs> uh, 
I said, well, <laughs> shout out to him, not to not to disparage him. Obviously not. I mean, he's he's better than you know a uh, former college offensive coordinator. But um, you know, we could have had like anywhere between average and a below average offense to score points last year. You know, and uh, could could have pulled off that game because you know last year, if you remember, uh, the the great you know, amazing Anthony Brown. I don't think he threw for like a hundred yards against the Huskies last year. Didn't mean to, uh, but anyways, they couldn't throw the ball last year. Um, I mean, you could you can make an argument it should be six in a row versus the Ducks. I mean, you you, you literally could. They, I can't go uh, there, but okay. <laughs> I, at least. It at least should have been closer. I mean, I, I'll i never let go of the, the scheduling for 2018. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, it should have been. That one was, to me, the most one that they really should have won that game. And uh, But, I mean, it, it, uh, last year, if this, team, if this Husky team played last year's Oregon team, like that same game, they win by at least 10. I They would have. Uh, with Anthony Brown and the way that they played uh, in Husky Stadium, I mean, it, that they would have, if not blown out that Oregon team last year the way Utah did. I mean, our defense is the X factor there because uh, we're not very good defensively. <laughs> Newsflash. But, uh, but an argument can be made for what you just said. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pointless to, really pointless, but I mean, uh, to think about it, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure with the players, you know, it's a new coaching staff, but the players who've been on these teams, I'm sure they were very tired to fuck. I mean, I guess you have to go back to 2019, but not pleased about losing to Oregon teams that they were probably better than. So, I mean, they proved it. Uh, and it's, I honestly, I'm, almost fucking speechless at some point. I mean, that was also just like the best, most entertaining game ever. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I, there's so many, there's so many things you could talk about at the same time. I don't know which one to even jump on. And by the way, uh, Cedro Woolley upset Tumwater last <laughs> night in the playoffs, 30 to 22. Damn right. <laughs> it was Friday night. <laughs> or excuse me, it's Damn Friday, right Sunday night now. Running that wing T, baby. But <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I mean, uh, similar to that, I hope, I hope mentally it does a lot for the team and the program to, you know, not just against Oregon for one, because I think for I think in 2016 they were able to do that. Uh, they kind of turned the corner and changed their mindset against Oregon, and then all the shit that came together in 2018, uh, I think, really kind of broke it back down. Uh, so maybe they can get that back and kind of lose their fucking fear and uh, helplessness against Oregon. And I think also uh, fucking Mario Cristobal, who I think got by Georgia Tech yesterday, I, I didn't sense that they had that same weird psychotic energy as much as they did under Cristobal uh, going against Washington. So uh, I'll be interested to see how, you know, both the staff kind of like, moving forward, kind of play the rivalry up. 
Well, I will say this as we as we start to uh, wind down this part of the podcast, and then we'll address some questions on the boards here. But a thought that I had in the last two minutes of the of the game yesterday against Oregon was I was thinking to myself, um, you know, the last several weeks when we've been doing podcasts and we've been saying this just isn't a team that's enjoyable to watch. And even the even the wins leave so much to be desired that you just feel unsatisfied, kind of. And I was thinking to myself with two minutes left in the Oregon game that even if we lose this game, I've enjoyed this game more than any other game this year. Same yeah. here. That's, yeah, that's a and, and, great point. And I would yeah. have held to that. Even if we lost, I would have held to that thought. Yeah, definitely. You want Same here. That, that was uh, – that was – I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, moves the needle up for a win. But even though the whole game, we were, you know, we were all just, we were all just, I mean, wrapped up in the whole, the whole thing. I mean, that that was a fun, fun day yesterday. Yeah. And, with, and with the assumption, with the assumption that we beat Colorado next week, we're going to be nine and two going into the Apple Cup and playing for a shot at a New Year's Bowl. Isn't that yeah, something? We're, we are we are going to win out. We're going to win out because, like I've like I've kept trying to tell you, why not? You know, oh, we're going to go into Austin and we'll have we'll have trouble winning that game. Why? Why? Why not? I mean, I I don't I, I think we finally got a team that just went in there and it was like, you know, like Wooly Duke said, you know, we you know we all lined up and oh. You know, there's nothing like that that incredible about this team. Like, you know, they they have Troy Franklin, you know, but you know, we have McMillan, you know, they have uh whoever their second Fortin was their second, you know, probably their second best receiver. I mean so if our best receiver is arguably O'Dunsey, you know, and, and McMillan, you know, we have a better one two receiver combo than than those guys. I mean you might take you you could possibly take Franklin over one of those two guys, but I mean, you know, and and then our uh, yeah, of course you probably you you definitely take their running backs over over ours, but you know look at look at Talapapa, you know, seven yards a carry last night. It's not it's not like they couldn't run the ball. I mean, they're well, they're that's just, misleading you know, a little bit. Yeah. Well, there's a well, how is it misleading? I mean, you know, they ran right. Because- at, uh, with a bad running back, he got seven yards of carry. How's that misleading? Because in the opening drive, way, when everything was way, scripted, he had he had about thirty-five of his seventy yards in that opening drive. That's why, if you were trying to run him later in the game, it wouldn't have come as easy. I promise you. And there was one thing where I was texting with who was it? It was Road Dog. We were getting down near the goal line, and I was saying, I want to see us give the ball to Cameron Davis because we had given the ball to Talapapa on a third and one earlier, and he got stuffed. And I said, you got to give it to Davis, even though he misses holes and runs up the back's alignment and stuff. He's got more of a burst, and then he ended up scoring that touchdown. Um, so that, 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 yeah, that's right. how I feel on that. Right at Taimani, too. No, yeah, that's right, that was- yeah. <laughs> They kept replaying it because they were trying to, you know, look at the angle. It was so funny every time you just see Taimani uh, just getting, like, fucking pancaked. Uh, and shout-out to Cam Davis. That was a great a great run 
he did an incredible job of stretching out, staying up. Mm-hmm. Like, he really, really stretched himself out like Superman and got the ball across. And, you know, with how bad they are in short yardage, I mean, if he doesn't get that in, there's absolutely no guarantee that they're going to get in uh, from the right. short. Because, I mean, they, they, got, they were pretty decent running, but I think most of their running just came off of they were doing so well passing that Oregon had to right. – you know, Oregon had to line up and play that, so they were able to get some, like, when they ran the ball kind of unexpectedly, that's how they got yards. When they really were, when they really needed a yard or two when they tried to run, they really fucking sucked, and it could have cost them the game again. They're going to have to figure, they're going to have to figure out, and it, it was pretty, well, one, it's pretty, uh, it's super unfortunate that Penix threw that interception, not just for the game, but because other than that, I mean, if you want to talk about a, a flawless, Husky quarterback performance for the ages. I mean, especially with all the going in against Bo Nix with all the hype he had. Uh, outside of the interception, I mean, could you talk about, you know, greatest Husky quarterback performances ever? Uh, I mean, that interception is absolutely unforgivable and a gigantic strike, but just a huge, huge game by him. It just always felt smooth in a way that it hasn't felt all year when they were just moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, and the funny part is all season I have been texting with you guys and other people and when they get in the short yardage they never have passed. Like almost ever. When they get to like third and one or yes. on the goal line. They never pass and I'm like, Oh, as soon as they snapped it, I'm like, Oh great, they're gonna pass <laughs> Yes. We're all we're all screaming as he rolled out, just throw it away, throw it away and then you threw that interception, you're just like the one time they pass, one, somehow no one gets open. And then two, he makes that throw, uh, and yeah, I just, I mean, it's very unfortunate because outside of that, he had a fucking amazing game, and I mean, that's the difference between a team that might go ten and two this year and a team that, you know, with Dylan Morris probably goes like maybe let's hope six and six. Uh, so thank God well, that they most, got him. With and, most quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I mean, thank God they got him. Uh, that was an incredible. Just incredible performance. Uh, you know, that final touchdown throw is scary as shit, but that's the kind of play, that's the kind of throw he's made all year. Like, he had one like that that got picked against UCLA, but that's why that's why he is who he is. I mean, half the time he's going to hit that, half the time it's going to be a pick, and it's a throw that only really he can make. And, you know, against Oregon, it finally went Washington's way uh, in that regard. I mean, I don't know that in, even in my lifetime, I, I don't know if there's any other Husky quarterback that can make the throws that he's making. And, and that would include Warren Moon when I was really little. But Warren Moon became that in the NFL and the CFL. But uh, at Washington, from what I've seen in, in old videos, even though I saw him as a really young kid, but um, I, he couldn't have made those throws. And Penix makes throws that I, I, I don't think anybody else makes in our history, at least in my lifetime. I mean, amazing. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just the, the composure he had, too, through the whole game. I mean, he never – it was funny. Yes. There used to be – I remember they would say, Keith Price, yeah, he's, like, smiling and laughing and stuff like that. But you could always sense that, you know, in a road game like that, in high-pressure situations, he wasn't actually – it was kind of, an, it was kind of a coping mechanism. Uh, he was never actually cool. Well, Penix, I – I never doubted the whole time that he was not shook by, you know, that environment, which, you know, again, 
they were comparing it to the horseshoe and the big house, which I don't know how that's possible when you're literally almost half, half the amount of people, uh, how that's a comparable environment. Because, I mean, yeah, Penix had played at Ohio State. So just, you know, one more, uh, one more uh, you know, compliment on a usually very negative podcast. So another positive. Well, it was, it was funny. Um, I want to go back to that goal line sequence, but it was funny. Um, you know, they were announcing and, and getting all, like, I mean, even their announcer, um, you know, he feels like he's like a part of the, it feels like him talking. He's like a part of the program and he's, he's into it. And, uh, and, you know, the Husky announcer, he, he just sounds like boring and, uh, mm-hmm. um, like, like it's just a, it's just a job for, for that guy. But, you know, their, their, their PA announcer was, I mean, he sounded, sounded pretty old, like he'd been doing it for a long, long time, but, you know, he sounded like, you know, he, he legitimately enjoys it, but they, uh, they, he announced at one point, you know, a record crowd of, you know, capacity was 54,000, but they, uh, record crowd of 58, 58 and change or whatever. And, and the Oregon fans are like getting all cheered, cheering and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, we've complained about 15,000 before. <laughs> Till we say that again, yeah. I didn't hear you. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we've been at Husky Stadium and, and we've complained about having 58,000. Oh, yes. Fans, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, Absolutely. It's just kind of funny, like like they're all they're all like pumped up, and I'm not sure where they rank on on Big Ten stadiums. They 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 might be last. I mean, I haven't looked up on you know a lot of them, but I'm sure you can rattle off ten off the top of your head that be you know, that have a lot more, you know. And uh, uh, but just uh, anyways, I want to go back to that. Uh, so that goal line, um, that goal line sequence. You know they get that uh, they get that that face mask on uh, you know Westover um, Westover completely owning and blocking the hell out of that guy and he he jumps out and grabs a face mask and they actually get a penalty for it. I've seen you know several times where Oregon Oregon gets away with that. You know uh, they did in 2009 a guy blatantly rips off Jay Clocker's helmet, no call. Uh, I think it was 2000 and uh, I think it was like 2014 uh, down in Austin. Like I think it was Kiko Alonso had just like a blatant forearm shiver to uh, maybe it was 2012, like a forearm shiver to Bishop Sankey and no call. Uh, and so, so to get them on that and then uh, have fans complaining about it, <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty funny. Like they're, they're, they they don't even try to they don't even try to hide it like they're just blatantly biased on like oh come on you know yelling at the at the ref when he's making the call and and uh, but you know first down um, you know we've complained about it before rolling out a left-handed quarterback to the right side of the field you know and he throws it right into a I mean all he had to do was throw it away and yes. let's see second second and one. Or, you know, it was first down for God's one. sake. It wasn't That's like it was fourth down. Like, <laughs> yeah. All I had to do was throw it out of bounds and live to see second down. And 
and, uh, you know, they could have punched it in, you know, and, uh, you know, he just throws it right into a hornet's nest. It was like, it's like Penix for having such a magical game thus far. And you go and do that? I mean, come on, bro. Well, uh, semi-not related, but you made me think of a play that I'm glad I remembered. Uh, on the touchdown to Polk, the long touchdown of the great Justin Flo, who fucking sucked, and then looks like a He's wearing, like, eight pounds of, like, fucking Game of Thrones knight armor. Uh, he goes in and he, he did it. He did it, like, hit Penix hard, but he it was, like, blatantly fucking late. Uh, it was, like, he had, like, three steps. You know, Penix had such a huge injury fucking history. It's, like, what a piece of shit. <laughs> he, like, literally had three steps to walk up and, like, shut, like, push him down. Uh and he fucking sucked. I don't think Noah Thule, uh, he, he did tip the Penix interception, but he was also, I think, out of position when he did it. Like, it wasn't like he made a play. I don't think Noah Thule made a play. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau no. was on Twitter. Kayvon Thibodeau was on Twitter the whole time, like, desperately posting duck stuff. And then he just went quiet in the third quarter. Uh, I was drunk, and I tweeted at him. <laughs> like, I don't think you and you're, like, 85 your 85 weird, like, armbands and, like, braces would have made a difference either when I deleted it uh, this morning. Uh, <laughs> it was really hard. It was really hard because Oregon just, like, I mean, Oregon has these weird media guys, uh, as mentioned on the board, too. They're, like, they're supposedly work for the Oregonian or that Rob Mosley guy. Uh, and, like, they're, two four, they're 24-7 guys. They're just weird fucking chud trolls. And they, I, they're all just out there. It was so hard not to go at him and uh, just tweet shit. Because, yeah, uh, fucking Noah, the great Noah Thule did pretty much nothing. Uh, Christian Gonzalez got fucking beat. Uh, Bo Nick, uh, officially fucked Bo Nick, uh, didn't really have a great game. So, you know, uh, I don't know where I started and where I'm going to end on this, but fuck Justin Flow, he sucks. <laughs> and he looks, he looks ridiculous. Yeah, I... I completely, completely forgot about Justin Flo. Completely forgot about him. <clears throat> until you just brought him up. I mean, yeah, no, it will He had, he uh, he had one tackle, one tackle, <laughs> one tackle. Greatest linebacker ever. Suck on it, Flo. And, and we can also, uh, we can also, you know. Uh, you know, transition, I could talk about this for hours, but, you know, me and Joey are big on this and the fucking media and even fucking dudes and people don't fucking listen of this Oregon fucking talent talk. None of their big recruits or anyone who has NFL potential is making plays for that team, uh, which is why you shouldn't be scared None. of them. Go look at their stat. None. Go look at their statue. Troy Franklin is like the only one. And honestly, Troy Franklin's touchdown was just a scheme thing. They had two guys wide open, one of which was Josh Delgado, uh, who is the perfect example of a hyped-up guy who was, like, a supposedly a four-star they fucking signed who sucked. Uh, yeah, their offensive line is all a bunch of guys who look like... TJ Doc looks like a pregnant woman. Uh, who look like fucking pregnant women. Uh, I don't understand. They're all, like, eighth-year seniors. Uh, like, their defense is, like, Jeffrey Baca and... 
uh, Brandon Dorless and like all these like Trevecki Bridges and stuff like that. And the running backs are a Western Kentucky and Minnesota transfer. Uh, none of these supposedly like big recruits, talented guys make their fucking plays, and it's been like that for a long ass time. No, we've we've so, we've, we've we've tried to convince people that that, <laughs> that program is all momentum and mystique. It, you know, that we keep trying to tell people: do not look at their recruiting ranking. It's like this hype train. You know what? Ty Thompson uh, got like bumped up to a fifth star for no reason, no reason, other than he he uh, he probably gained like ten thousand Twitter followers or something, and and uh, you know signed on with Oregon. You know, I mean Bucky Irving's a transfer, Bo Nix transfer, uh, isn't is Whittington a transfer? Yeah, he's a Western Kentucky transfer. He's a transfer. I mean, they had you guys. They had five. They had five players uh, catch catch passes for him, and uh, you know, Bucky Irving caught five. Five of the nineteen were to a running back. You know, so uh, I mean, this this they they ran basically the same off. They ran the same offense for like years. They just they just do the same thing. It's, it's a lot of. It's a lot of, you know, this zone and then swing passes, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, you know, this this mystique and, and all this crap with that program, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's been psychological for years, and we shouldn't, you know, none of us should be afraid of that program. No team in the conference should be afraid of that program. Well, I don't fully subscribe to everything you guys are saying. I partially do, but unless you're sitting here yeah, listening well, I, to you guys, I, I it sounds it sounds it. like you guys are talking about an ex-wife, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of vitriol, a lot of, a lot of issues, a lot of trigger moments. Well, hey, at some point, uh, you just at some point you just you just say it, you know. It's not on them. It's you know, it's on it's on us for buying into it, you know, or it's on the team for buying into it. You know, it's not. You well, know, I mean, it's yeah, not but a, it's, it's not. It's, a, they it's not they they've had a lot of success. You can't deny that. It's not like they win five games every year, but beat us every season, and and it's only in our heads or whatever. But you know, there's there's a plastic quality to them. So you know. No. It, yeah, and I've. I've maintained they do – their recipe is to have a bunch of, like, kind of try-hard, chip-on-their-shoulder guys who secretly carry the program. And then they do mix in, like, a few five-star recruits like Thibodeau and uh, over the years. Noah Thule, I, I think he was only a five-star because of his last name. Uh, but, yeah, they, they do do that. They do have players, but people kind of act like – we don't need to waste any more time on it, but people act like they're just like this – Talented juggernaut. They're so much more talented in Washington. Like talent, talent, talent. But then you're like, who won? Like who is their big NFL prospect? Uh, it's not Noah Sewell. I, he, I would be a fucking undrafted free agent. He can't defend a pass. I mean, he's like five eleven. Uh, but yeah, just try to remember that they're not like it's a lot of mystique with like the big talent thing. And you know, my final ex-wife statement on him of, hey, we're already looking forward. <laughs> 
next year. Their whole team is their offensive line and Nick. Uh, they they lose like their whole entire offensive line. Their offensive coordinator is probably going to take a job somewhere, maybe ASU, and I assume Nick is not coming back. Uh, and you know, if Dorless and Gonzalez go to the NFL on defense, you know, and and Sewell, you know, uh, it's it's the the Huskies are, are turning the corner on them. Well, yeah. One thing um, to add on, one thing to add on that, yeah. they showed a highlight package of uh, they, you know, they had this pro ducks highlight package. Three guys, three guys. <laughs> That's what they showed. It was like it was Troy Hill, uh, Justin Herbert, and uh, uh, God, I'm trying to think of trying to think of the other one. I I can't. So you know, no highlight pack. No, not Mariota. Uh, <laughs> they showed. Uh, yeah, they, it was like Troy Hill, Justin Herbert, and one other guy. So there was no uh, no greatest left tackle of all time, Panay Sewell. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, no Mariota throwing for like what a buck twenty two against the Panthers or something. Uh, yeah, no, no other, no other players. Uh, they they didn't show, uh, you know, um, <laughs> no Ugo Amati, who I think is like probably, probably just pumped our gas at the Chevron uh, with his with his fake uh, Bednarik Award or whatever Lombardi Award or whatever the hell he won for no reason. Yes, life. Hey, hey. She won Office Employee of the Year for no reason. <laughs> no reason at all, well, I man, tell you. He won. He won that award. He won that award that that was generally given to like a linebacker or a lineman, and then for some reason they gave it to like a a, a safety who, I, I mean, I don't remember. I mean, you can even ask Duck fans; they'd, they'd be like, "Oh, Ugo Amadi, like uh, he was like." just a guy on our, you know, on our team, you know, so. <clears throat> so can the therapy session end or do you guys need some more time? It's not therapy. It feels good. <laughs> well, that was supposed to, that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> I'll put that right up there with the hay joke that went flat. Uh, there is one stat I want to bring up before before I start rattling off some questions from the boards, though. Uh, let me go back to that. Uh, Asa Turner, 12 tackles. Obviously, that speaks for itself <laughs> in terms of what was going on. But he must have missed five or six tackles just from what I saw. There might have been more than that. Yeah. And it's uh, I don't want yeah. to dwell on that because it's a beautiful day from what happened, but... That's he's supposed to be your like marquee player, and it's like, yikes! Twelve tackles yeah, for your safety. It, it, it's it's like we've been saying, you know these uh, these recruiting rankings over the last five to six years have just become, you know, how much can you get hyped up on Twitter? You know, there's, I mean, you know. Asa Turner was was like this, you know, this big recruit. We didn't want to lose to Notre Dame, and 
Right. And you just kind of like, I mean, you just kind of, he's just been disappointing to watch. It's, you know, he, his tackling's terrible. Um, you know, there, there, there was a lot of, you know, like rugby tackles being made last night where, you know, they tackle the running back and, you know, he rolls for another yard or something. And I, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to have like, you know, a couple hard physical practices, you know, leading up to, uh, you know, the Coug. So. Well, and it will be interesting because since we don't know DeBoer that well in terms of long, uh, over the long haul, to see what, if any, off-season changes he makes. Um, I think we all agree that he's dedicated to excellence based on his track record, but, well, you know, depends on whether he'll cut cut loose some people around him or whether he thinks it's not necessary. But something's not right there with the tackling, and I don't want to dwell on it with this podcast because, uh, you know, it's such a historic uh, win from yesterday. But... There's a problem there that really needs to be addressed in the off season because um, that can't continue and it's too widespread. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's see here. Let's look at some questions. Uh, and if anybody posted on the thread, and I don't name you off, uh, no, no. Uh, no, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, don't take it personally. Um, so Atomic Dog was saying this is one of the worst defenses I remember seeing at UW. Should the defensive staff be retained? He goes on to say a few other things, including the tackling is embarrassing, uh, blah, blah, blah. So um, but we kind of already just addressed that. Um, let's see, Race Bannon said... The situational defense is way better than the defense. You don't go 8-2 and two winning close games if you don't have a defense that can get a stop when you need it. We had far better defenses under Pete that gave, up in the fourth, gave it up in the fourth quarter when it counted. I get it. That's a bad defense until it isn't. Um, I mostly agree with what he just said there. The only thing I would add to it is that you also go 8-2 and two when you have a really soft schedule, and we have a really soft schedule. And if it was a tougher schedule, uh, you know, we might be looking at, you know, 6-4 and four right now instead of 8-2. and two. Other than that, I agree with what Ray said. Do you guys have any thoughts? I'll never argue with Ray Spannon. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh... I loved his posts on the Duck Refuge. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember which which one it was, uh, <laughs> but he said like at the very end, you know, he said, uh, <laughs> I, "I root I root for Oregon to do well, except except against uh, Utah, except against Utah and Oregon State." <laughs> or something like that. It was pretty funny. Good luck the rest of the way, except for the teams you play. Good luck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Uh, Purple Bays said, for those of us who didn't watch the game, I love how Purple Bays is, like, posting in the game thread. He's posting in the, you know, Yellow's record shop. 
the game's going on. He's not watching it, but he's posting <laughs> in the game thread. <laughs> um, but uh, he said, for those of us that didn't watch the game, did Rusty Ulofascio <laughs> play? Uh, he obviously liked to. Uh... Anyway, so, yeah, Rusty, good old Rusty, he played. Cool. He had six tackles. Cool. Or maybe Joel seven, Fascio. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, shout out to Eddie. Listen to the pod. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, I mean, you can see him. He, you know, he, he obviously probably gets credited with the tackle, but, you know, when uh, uh, I can't remember what running back it was that fell down on that fourth down. Was it Irving or Whitting, Whittington or whatever? Uh, fell down, yeah. and then Ulfosio Ulfosio downed him. <laughs> Ulfosio downed him. So I mean, he was he was on that last uh, that last play. But it, it, from what it seemed like to me, uh, it looked like it was a lot, a lot more of uh, a lot more of Chris Mole and uh, Carson Bruner getting snapped yesterday. Uh, and neither of them played a particularly good game. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad to see Bruner getting more snaps. He just looks, he just looks yes. less, as it, he just looks less hesitant. I mean, even when he's like, uh, even when he's like, you know, filling in a, in a gap, you know, and getting blocked, it's just the effort looks better. You know, he didn't get washed out as bad as, it's like, I mean, that's not too Patala get washed out and turned around and and held by held by the great Josh Connerly once and didn't get called. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those weird yeah. things. Yeah, linebackers, linebackers, um, you know, linebackers uh, an issue. It's got to get corrected, but uh, glad to be glad to be pointing out corrections that need to be made in a in a in a big win in their building. And so post game Orange Slices said they did not play scared and that was a reference to his prediction that they would go into Eugene and not play scared, so he was he was obviously correct there. Um Right. So here's a here's a quote from uh, a post from Hay who was at the game, I have to give this place credit, and he's referring to Austin Stadium, best college football atmosphere I've ever been to. People give a shit, and it's a shock to the senses after going to Stanford and Oregon State games. Even the Michigan State crowd at Husky Stadium was pussy as fuck compared to this. Washington needs to ball the fuck up and give DeBoer an extension and start funneling STEM money to the recruits who are at this game. Yeah. Yeah, it it is uh yeah, it is it is bad. I mean they I mean they're talking about Stanford and Cal, you know, going with uh you know, Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten. I mean, really? Yeah, Why would yeah. the Big Ten bring that atmosphere in unless they're unless they're hoping, you know, you know, Michigan and Ohio State fans, you know, Nebraska fans. I mean, Nebraska would show up, uh, you know, to Stanford Stadium and, and have it, like, 90% full, I bet, with just Nebraska But mind fans. you, 
the Big Ten hasn't pulled the trigger on this yet either, so. They will. You know, we'll see. I don't know. I could see them taking Washington and Oregon, but I guess there's prestige in taking Stanford. But, uh, um, anyways, that's maybe a conversation for another day. By the way, one thing I want to say is a random thought. When we're talking about missed tackles, there was one that I just felt really sad about because it was sometime in the fourth quarter, and ZTF just made a massive whiff that cost us a, a third down play, if I recall. And it was yeah. just, and he just laying there on the ground. And it was just kind of like, did the injury ruin him of his future, or did we over overhype him or whatever? Anyways, it was just sad because it was a moment of you just realize that the uh, the 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 the, uh, the bloom is off the rose, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know if it was just day one, but yeah. On the last drive. On the last drive, he had a one-on-one, I think, with a running back out of the backfield where if he tackled them inbound, which he had the chance to do to end the game, uh, and he just totally missed it. He, um, that was that was pretty brutal. I think there was like 20 seconds, maybe 14 seconds left. It's like, fuck, if he makes that tackle, the game is over. Uh, yeah, he's just, I don't know, he's just not the same player. And I think this one is kind of like, is what it is. But the positive is that also I think Trice and Martin play so well that, you know, if they had they didn't have one of those guys, then I think you would be it's almost like it doesn't matter that much that he's not he's not that good, which is the positive for for once. Yeah, I mean more for his own sake is what I'm saying. Yeah. You uh, know, there yeah. Was, it's just you know. So um, let's see here. Sonny Shackelford, Shackelford, excuse me, uh, engine juice Brown have to go. The linebackers are so polar coached. Mole got embarrassed more times than I could count. Agree. And then he wants to know yeah. how many grandmas did Joey see get pushed down the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's one thing you notice, um, you notice in there is is uh, more of a youthful fan base. Uh, hmm. Not a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people there. That uh, would you agree? Not a lot of people there look older than fifty. Yeah, not a lot of blue, not a lot of blue hairs. Uh, well, showing up. NTX, you know. NTX Duck though he he made a post here. It says. Uh, he was responding to Hay, and it's in regards to Autzen Stadium. And NTX Duck says, too many middle-aged dorks with goatees and receivers' gloves at Autzen, though. That knocks it down at least yes. four or five spots. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's oh. like the cool thing. You know, like, uh, you know, the, the cougar mom wears her, you know, bedazzled jeans or something, and, and the dorky, <laughs> you know, the, the dorky grandpa in his late 50s wearing uh, receiver gloves, you know, with the O, you know, and uh, yeah, but you do notice that, but it, but uh, we, we stood the entire game. I mean, people were standing the entire game, so, and, hmm. you know, Husky Stadium, you'd have, got, you'd have got yelled at, you know. I mean, there's there's got to be, you know, there's got to be a, you know, wave of, of Young fans that are, that need to be 
pushing the uh, pushing the old old fans out uh, at some point. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know if we have that or not, but that's conversation maybe for another day. But well, it's it's just simple things like you know showing stuff on the Husky Tribe, you know, to to get more fan engagement, you know, like. Like it, I mean, it's it, it may sound cheesy, but they play uh, you know they play shout uh, you know they actually have Otis Day in the Night from Animal House. Um, you know, yeah, I remember that. At or- it was filmed in Oregon, so they play right. that. You know, they have former players dancing in you know in the video, and, and they're all at a toga party, and it's it's played right before the fourth quarter, and it gets you know gets fans into it. Now, would you? Could you picture any of the the eighty year old you know fans of Husky Stadium that are walking in their walkers, you know, getting into that? They, they're probably you know shaking their fists, yelling at the clouds because they have to stand up and uh, you know be be involved in something. So you know there's a there's a lot to it. There is a lot to admire about how they they uh, they cater to their fan base and keep it keep it young and spry and and have fun. So. Yep. Uh, UW Dugbot says, um, when Oregon goes to the Pac-12 championship game, will Jen Cohen tweet, rep the North to them? Hello? Yes. Sorry, I had to mute it. <laughs> oh, Willie, are you yeah, still there? I had to mute it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm here. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, we're, well, let's not give any credit to Jen Cohen here. Uh, I'm sure maybe Softy or uh, Dude Man is probably out there right now, probably congratulating uh, Jen Cohen on this. She had absolutely did everything they possibly can not to have this outcome. Yes, let's see here. I'm going to uh, so skip they, that uh, one. And uh, the the wife was just pointing out uh, they played some uh, "I Left My Heart in Oregon" song or whatever that uh, you know, the fans were all you know, they had their they they knew every word they had their you know their phone lights on um, they they played uh, you know they played some Oregon highlights uh, during it they they all sang they all were singing along to the song and. Uh, you know, but but we have we have like Al Borland singing "Bow Down to Washington." Uh, you know, on our, <laughs> because he on our, on because our he donated block. money, right? I think he's a graduate, but yeah, we we have Al Borland and we have uh, uh, it's Pat <laughs> Julia Sweeney. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but know. wasn't he the guy that donated money and that gave him the right to sing the net? The national anthem no, for several years no, in no, a row. No, no, that's Melvin Pohl. I'm talking about Al that's Borland right. from uh, Home Improvement. You know. Uh, oh, that guy. Richard oh, Carter. okay. Yeah, Richard My bad. Carn, You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. he really, really swung a miss on that that joke of mine. I thought it was pretty good. I just thought of it on the fly. <laughs> I should have been. Uh, I should have been in step there, and I just wasn't. And I'm, you know, what can I say? So it, it was a good one. Yeah, and uh, as uh, as uh, the missus just pointed out to me, 
uh, a second ago. They had, uh, you know, their lines to get food weren't, you know, 800 people deep, you know, and took a whole quarter to do it. But I will say their bathrooms were small, so the lines to the bathrooms were ridiculous. I mean, but the, the, the line did go fast, you know, for the mints, but, yeah, their bathrooms were small. So, I mean, it took a long C-fitter, time. And Seafitter's Nacho Lover uh, wanted to know the quality of the Autzen Stadium nachos. I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a, you know, it's a 2 or 3, you know, the nacho. I mean, it was just, you know, the cold cheese, cheese sauce. On some, on some tortilla chips or whatever, and then they sprinkled in a couple pickled jalapenos, you know. So you know, that was about it. Not 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 the greatest nacho, and, and we did go to the Wild Goat and eat afterwards, and uh, you know their their nachos were uh, uh, the cheese was half cold, half warm, uh, and the mozzarella sticks were still frozen when uh, you know my. Uh, my friend, my friend, my player, that we, you know, stayed Are you still there? Airbnb. Yeah. Oh. Amir, can you hear me? Well, you you were gone for about four or five seconds, and then all of a sudden you're talking about an Airbnb. Oh, yeah. Well, we stayed with my friend, uh, Michael. Oh, the lesbians? Uh, that former... No, a softball player. Oh, yeah. I'm at Airbnb, and and they're they're great people, and I I know I've got for that lifestyle. So, shout out to them; they were great people, uh, great great people. Uh, but yeah, or stayed with some Oregon fans, and uh, you know, good sports. And then Nacho uh, also – oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to finish the uh, the Wild Goat. We had this place, the Wild Goat, uh, uh, half-cooked frozen mozzarella sticks, you know, and a, you know, a, a below-average nacho with, with uh, cold cheese. So, yeah, don't go to the Wild Goat uh, as a Husky <laughs> fan and order a nacho. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, restaurant reviews on the Hardcore Husky podcast now. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, Seafetters Nacho Lover he wants to also know: Have Oregon fans started a GoFundMe to support Hudson as he faces a long life of physical rehab and arduous medical therapy to recover from his gruesome injury at the end of the game? <laughs> so he's so he's the guy that had the strange hammy, quote unquote. <laughs> Jay, <laughs> Your voice cut out again. What's that? All right, so give him the damn shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, let's I don't see know here. where the hell we are. We just we just passed some place called the Enchanted Forest. Oh, no, I know where you are. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Uh, um. Um. Let's see. I'm, there's one person here is pleading for a, uh, a shout out, but he never donates, so I'm not going to give him one. And let's see here. <laughs> let's see if we can throw out one more question as I 
Okay, UW Dugbot says, uh, actually, okay, we're going to finish with two last questions, and then we'll we'll close it out. Um, it says, uh, so UW Dugbot says, what bowl game do you think Penix and Oduns will sit out? Odunze will sit out. <laughs> cool. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, we could end up in a fiesta bowl or something. I think it's the cost. I mean, if they make a if they make a New Year's Six poll, I mean, you know, are we are we going to be are we going to be as unforgiving with them as we were with Taylor Rapp for sitting one out? Well, I don't. Penix, I, Penix is always talking about how much he loves his teammates, and I just don't see him sitting out unless his agent makes him. But sorry, go ahead, Willie. Oh, I don't think both of them are guys who would really. Would that stage would be big for them to 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 boost their stock too? I mean, I don't think many people mm. nationally have watched them. But I wouldn't be if they make. I would say if they go to like the Las Vegas Bowl or like maybe even the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, but if they can miraculously end up in like the Cotton Bowl, which is where I think the at-large Pac-12 team that doesn't win because would go to the Cotton Bowl, I think. Uh, or maybe even like the Alamo Bowl. They, I think both of them would really benefit from getting like a big, a big stage. Because uh, I doubt nationally people really know that much about them or have seen them. Well, on, oh, Dunsey's definitely at least a, a second round pick. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't imagine he's coming back. I don't think Pike is coming back. But yeah, my my guesstimate would be if they end up in like the Las Vegas or Holiday Bowl. I would have, I, I would see them sitting out, but if they can make like the cotton, maybe like the Alamo Bowl or something, like maybe they play. And final I question mean, for today's. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, let me let me play a little like uh, you know devil's advocate with the pen. Yeah, Joe, Joey, we can't. It's Joey, obvious. start over. We can't hear you. Uh, yeah, obviously it's a biased talking point of ours. We don't love it if Penix came back, but uh, no know, way. <laughs> I just it, I can't see it. This quarter, but if this quarterback class is so like it's so stacked and heavy, mm. you know, and and what if he came back next year? He's you know instead of being a fifth or sixth round pick this year, he's a you know he's a first or second round pick next year with the, the quarterback class next year because. Everything I see uh, from all the draft boards, like he doesn't even crack the top ten on a lot of the on a lot of the lists. And I think I think part of that is probably due to the fact that you know he doesn't like call any any of his own audibles at the line. Like he, you know, they look over and and the coaches are switching the plays for them. You know, unless their 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 first formation is just a you know, a, a gimmick formation to catch the defense off guard, and then they're they're calling the real play, you know, while they're in the formation. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if this draft stock, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't move up, and you know, at all, and they that's what they tell them, you know, hey, your draft stock's not going to do any better, but it, it could also be a, you know, a a thing where an agent, you know, agent kind of feeds them a line of crap, um, 
you know, just to make their money, you know, while while the iron's hot, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Odunzi, yeah, Odunzi can go, could go this year, and and you, you couldn't blame him being a receiver. And, um, yeah, I mean, just just hope like McMillan doesn't leave too, you know. They certainly can. Well, De- DeBoer strikes me as a guy that's going to uh, give solid advice to uh, to either of those guys, but particularly Penix, even if it means that he'll he w- it would hurt his team. But um, and right. uh, so two girls, one apple cup. We'll conclude our podcast with his question. I'm assuming it's a he. Uh, <laughs> Are you guys happier that Adams took DL or Taimani? I definitely say Adam. Uh, (laughs) Taimani, fuck it, he sucks. Uh, It's a bad sign for them that he was playing. Uh, Adam, which is also always my favorite thing of like, Troy Franklin didn't want to play for Junior Adams. Now he's a fucking coach. So congratulations, dude. Uh, yeah, fuck Adam. I mean, I even say congratulations. Uh, I actually say Crystal Ball took the L a little bit, uh, you know, yesterday too. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm sure Crystal Ball wasn't happy about that. As he was at five and five or whatever he is at Miami. So fuck that, fuck that guy. Yeah, how about how about uh, Tosh Lapoy and uh, <laughs> the, and Tosh Lapoy. Um. Yeah, the the fake injury master that um, never really done anything significant X's and O's wise. You know, just a, Somehow just a, he's a DC. recruiter. Yeah, he's just a recruiter. I mean, it, you know, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to you know rattle my brain and and think like, hey, I, you know, I kind of want uh, kind of want Lanning to just stick around. I just think that guy's just such a big dork. You know, he's destined to he's destined to fail. I mean, every every coach every coach that they've uh, they've had that's been destined for failure has left them. So, yeah, I'm kind of hoping Lanning sticks around, but I don't know. He might he might see the you know the writing on the wall with the Oregon job and uh, and leave for the Auburn job. Even though none of the fans we were talking to him, they're like, "Oh, he's not going. He's not going to go take the Auburn job." We're like, "Yeah, how, how many times do you say that to the last two guys?" You know. <laughs> well, if Auburn was desperate enough to think they were getting Peterson 2.0 by pulling Brian Harson out of Boise, you know, there's a level of desperation down there. So. Oh my God! You know, my my friend Michael and I were talking like, like how much. How much does the uh, <laughs> how much does uh, the the buyout of coaches <laughs> over the last couple of years in you know, <laughs> college football? How much does that you know? We j- jokingly I pointed out like how much does that affect the inflation of the country? You know, there's <laughs> there's like a billion dollars of of just dead money going to the coaches to sit at home, you know. Uh, just writing them a check to go spend somewhere, you know. 
<laughs> well, Auburn itself, with its buyouts in recent years, is probably probably enough to uh, the last two that they've done. You combine those, it probably equals some uh, athletic department budgets. Yeah, well, I mean, look at look at what they did. Uh, Nebraska did with Scott Frost, and they would have just waited. Yeah. Uh, I think it was they just waited like another week and a half or something. Right? You know, the buyout would have been like a third of what it was, but. Uh, they just didn't wait. They're just like, well, I'll just write them the $25 million check now. You know, forget about waiting for the $9 million check or whatever. You know, and I, it's just, just insane. Yeah, who knows what was going on there or if the, if the athletic director was on his way out anyways and wanted to do Frost a solid or uh, it, that seems like too high of a level of incompetence to be on purpose, but I don't know. I don't care. Whatever, you know. Um, but anyway, so I guess it's a good place for us to to wrap it up. A big win, and, uh, you know, hopefully this is going to really be something that can resonate into recruiting season and help turn a, a player, a recruiter, too, and um, um, be really interesting. You know, obviously we still have much of the season to enjoy still, but uh, you know, this is something that's going to really resonate in the off season, and and uh, and hopefully uh, really trend us in a in a good direction overall as a program. So, yeah, yeah, so. sure. All right, oh, well, yeah. good talking with you. Good talking with you guys, Joey. Please please take your your lovely wife for her many contributions to today's episode. All right, all right, everybody says thanks. Sweetheart. <laughs> Everybody says thanks. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so they, hey, 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 go dogs. Hey, go dogs, you guys. Come on, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> all right. All right, talk to you guys later. All right, guys. Yeah. Hey, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is, which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level of cyber peyote, peyote come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam <laughs> at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to read that one, but...